We're talking in our series about uh, homebuilders.god. We're trying to figure out how to build our families on the Lord Jesus and how to submit to him. And we're going to deal today, we'll probably just barely be, get started, with the role of the husband. I want to talk to you first of all about burkas. You see, you live in a culture where the whole world, really, the East and West, is divided over burkas and feminists. And if you're from an Islamic background, probably not many of you are, but you're all very familiar with the Taliban and you're familiar with Islamic dress. And in the world today, if you ladies were raised in an Islamic culture, you would be very much concerned with the burqa. You'd be very much concerned with with covering yourselves. And that represents an old way of looking at the family. Very patriarchal. In fact, my wife Mary, when she was over in Morocco visiting my son and my daughter-in-law Leslie, and our I don't think our granddaughter was born quite yet or was getting close, they actually had the privilege of having a Moroccan family invite them over to eat a meal. Now, ordinarily, a Moroccan daddy, some of you guys will like this, ordinarily, a Moroccan dad sits by himself and his wife, or maybe with some of his men friends, and the servants in the house, the wife, prepares the Moroccan meal and serves it to her husband. And he doesn't ordinarily eat with his wife. And that's very patriarchal. When Mary actually had the privilege, of, really with another friend that, that had this Moroccan family, so was, they were, went together. And this Moroccan husband, because he wanted to honor his friend and then honor the friends of his friend, he humbled himself and ate the meal with these women from America. Now that's very much, that's right in modern day times. And I want you to know a lot of the East-West conflict is over that. In colonial days in America, in colonial days in America, if you were living then, you men would be very much the boss of your home. You would be the patriarch, you would be the leader. And all the men said, no, don't say it too loud yet, okay? <laughs> so, that, that wasn't too responsive, so yeah, you, you're, you're wise this morning, okay? Now, our culture has reacted to that. In Western culture, socially, we have turned patriarchy on its head. We've seen the abuse of that. We've seen how women's gifts are held down. We've seen how women can often disappear underneath all that covering and they're never recognized as individuals. And one of the things in your democracy, a democracy stresses the importance of you as an individual. In fact, one of the highest values of our democracy is you as an individual. And our culture swung the pendulum very much beginning in the 60s, but flowing out of the women's suffrage movement and the wars where the women had to leave their home to go into the factories and a lot of social factories at work. But in the early 60s, the women rose up and said, no, we're not going to be under this patriarchy. And feminism rose up. And this pendulum swung totally away from burkas and, fl- and flowed all the way over here to business suits. And so I had a lady enter my office, you know, her kids were all grown, they left the house, she's an empty nest, and, and as she sits down in my study, she's saying, you know, I'm trying to figure out, you know, I really have a lot more fun, fun with my, my women friends at work, it's really great to go out afterwards, and, and uh, I'm trying to figure out what do, I, what do I need to go home to my husband anymore, I mean, what do I need my husband for? Because I got much more fulfillment in life. I got more excitement in life. I've got more intimacy in life with, with my friends at work. And they, they, they recognize my gifts and they're stroking my ego. What do I need my husband for? And there we have the whole pendulum swing the other way. 
Now, often the Bible gets caught in that pendulum swing. In fact, you might be in a university classroom and days to come, some of the young people, and, and the Bible will probably be centered in the burqa idea and the abuse of so-called Christianity, which often is the abuse of Christianity as a culture and not biblical faith, which I always want to separate for you. Actually, the Apostle Paul took marriage and took the roles in marriage to a plane, to a level that was heavenly. No one had ever quite talked about marriage like Paul did. And Paul often gets maligned as being a man that, man, I don't want to really follow him because he doesn't like women. He's got a thing against women. And what I want you to know is that we open up the word of God is that the apostle Paul cherishes women and he cherishes men. And he actually takes marriage and says, your earthly marriage is just a physical picture of an ultimate eternal marriage which Jesus has with his church. And the very first thing before we get into the role of a husband And next week, Lord willing, we'll go further with that and talk about the role of the wife in the coming weeks. What I want to share to you is you're not going to buy what I want to say if you're living for yourself. And I really want to make that clear. Your submission, all of our roles, need to be based upon a submission to the Holy Spirit. You see, as we look at wives, submit yourself to your husband, it really goes back to verse 21 that says, submitting yourself to one another and have reverence for the Lord. And that submitting to one another is really the fourth participle, if you want to get technical, that started out with speak to one another about the Lord. Then sing to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Then you should give thanks to the Lord. And finally, you submit to one another. And this all flows from the control of the Holy Spirit. So the bottom line of your relationships and your roles in the home needs to be, Holy Spirit, fill me with your power today. I want to submit to you today. So the very first question I want to ask yourself, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're married or unmarried, is who are you submitting to? Who's got the wheel of your life? Who's in control of your life? Who's steering it? Who's filling you with power? And I want to share with you the most incredible truth is that God's Holy Spirit can actually enter into your life and he can transform you. You might be a raving feminist. You might have actually marched and done all that stuff to get feminism. And you, were, you, you said, man, let's get those men. You know, they're horrible. The Holy Spirit comes in your life, and men will become brothers. And men will become those that can be like the ultimate man, Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. You might be a man here that you were raised, you know, calling the women, you know, the, the, the woman. And you might have cursed them, called them a lot worse names than I can even mention this morning. And you might have a deep-seated anti-woman attitude in your life or a male chauvinistic attitude in your life. God's Holy Spirit wants to come in and change you. What we want to do is we want to begin with submitting to one another. And that's what I've been talking about all along. You live in a culture that says the way that you live is by going for what you want, for living for what you want, for, for using your gifts, for what you want to get out of using those gifts. And I want you to think totally differently. I want you to submit yourself. I want you to approach Jesus. I want you to let him love you. I want you to let him heal you. I want you to let him fill you with his spirit. And I want you to be experiencing that transformation because that is going to set you free forever and ever. Because otherwise you're going to be selfish, you're going to be filled with your own desires, and you're ultimately going to end up alienated, not only from God but from everyone else. 
The way that we, we express our submission to the Lord Jesus is that we're submissive to one another. You see, this morning, as a pastor teacher, I'm in an authority position. I've been given authority by Jesus to teach you. But the way that I need to exercise that authority is to be your servant. I need to be communicating as I teach you that I care for you, that I love you, that I want to use my gifts to build you up. I am at your beck and call. I am a servant to you. I am the one that meets your needs. And an interesting thing happens when you do that. Some of you have been raised with teachers that, you know, they took this kind of an approach and they whipped on you and they yelled at you and they made you feel really guilty. And in essence, they were whipping you, not reaching out their hand towards you. And so you felt recoiled. Maybe some of you left churches many years because you felt they were constantly whipping on you. That's not exercising being submissive. See, I need to submit to you. I want every one of you to know that I want you, I want you to, because you've been here today, to be built up. I want you to feel the compassion of Jesus. I want you to feel his forgiveness. That's what it means for me, even in an authority position. I'm trying to illustrate how I need to be submissive to you. My whole pastoral ministry depends upon meeting your needs. It's not meeting Dave and Mary's needs. It's meeting your needs. That's the point of it. Midlothian Bible Church doesn't exist for me. It exists for Jesus and it exists for you. And I'm trying to illustrate to you in another part of life that we all begin by having our life turned topsy-turvy. And instead of living for our own selfish advancement, for our own career objectives, instead we submit to the Lord. Now, how does this flesh itself out? The Apostle Paul says that wives need to be submissive to, your, to their husbands to the Lord. It says, for the husband's the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he's the Savior. Now, when the church submits to Christ, the so wives should submit to their husbands and everything. We're going to get into that submission part of the ladies next week, of the wives, really, in their, in their husband-wife relationship. But what I want you to think about today is what I've been stressing the last several weeks is that your marriages are supposed to be a picture of an invisible most precious, treasured relationship in all the world. As you, if you're a husband today, if you're a wife today, the purpose of your marriage is I should be able to look at you as a husband, look at you as a wife, and I should see Jesus and his love for his wife, which is the church, the bride of Christ. That's the whole point of it. Every one of you men today have a role that you're trying to act out. In fact, I would ask you men, think about it. Who's the man in your life? Who's the man that you really look up to? Who's the man that you want to be like? When I was a, a junior high student, I wanted to be like my football coach. He was a quarterback, and he'd actually played semi-pro ball, and he really took me under, took this fat little kid under his wing, and he showed me how to play quarterback. And I remember that I would try to copy every move that he made. I wanted to be like my coach. Which is, if you guys are coaches today, you need to realize the awesome influence you have upon those young men. But I remember the junior high kid. If you would have asked me, who do you want to be like? I wanted to be like this coach. As I grew older, there's other men that entered my life, and I wanted to be like them. Every one of us have mentors. Every one of us have men that we're like. What the Apostle Paul is telling every one of us as men, both married and unmarried, is that the ultimate man in our life needs to be Jesus. And so that's how we're going to fulfill this drama. Like if you were an actor, like when, when the fellow that played the leading role in Jesus, the passion of Jesus, when he took on that role, he, he worked really hard to get into Jesus' skin. He read the Gospels over and over again. He's got to get into that character. That's what a great actor does. 
He feels what it's like to be that person. He lets that person's being and essence kind of become his essence. And what makes a great actor is when you're watching them act, you just see them. Now, I want to share with you that Jesus isn't asking you men to put on long robes, you know, like first century robes and wear sandals and draw, draw your, you know, grow your hair out long. We don't even know if they actually wore their hair that long and, and grow a beard and look what I think is our classic picture of what Jesus is like. We don't really know what Jesus looked like. I think there's reasons for that. So we can all identify with him. We can all, you know, we don't have this. He was, he was this person physically. So one of the things I want to share with you is the, the Gospels don't really tell us much about Jesus physically. But you know what? The Gospels tell us a whole lot about Jesus personally, in his character, in what he was like as a man, the way he treated people. And I want to challenge every one of us as men, myself included. What am I doing this week in my daily life that helps me to really know the way Jesus lives and acts and what am I doing to make that become part of my daily life? The third thing I want to stress to you, number one is that we need to be submissive. It all begins with submissing, submission to the Lord and then submission to one another. Secondly, I want you as men to realize that your role in your marriage needs to all be geared on your role in this drama of Christ and the church. But when we ask concretely, how does this really flesh itself out in our lives? A lot of us as men have the idea is like we're married and our wife is not very responsive to us. She's not obeying us. Then what we do is say, you need to listen to me. I'm the boss here. I'm the leader here. Christ says I'm the boss here. And that's the way some of you are reacting. Or some of you, your wife rejects you and you're like your mom, like with your mom. You get angry and some of you leave and the other ones of you as men, you just submit to your wife, just like you did with your mom. You let, let go of leadership. You go, well, you want to be like that? Fine. And you let your wife leave. That's the way most, most marriage are in this push and pull. What I want you to see is I want you to ask yourself, what does it mean as a husband for you to lead your wife? A lot of us have the idea that it's the burqa idea. In fact, deep in our hearts, some of us as men says, man, I wish we could go back to those days. Those were, those were great days. Man, I used to get, I could sit, and my wife made my meals, and my wife put out my clothes, and she, in the, in, in the evening, she, you know, gave me my bathrobe, and I could sit in a nice lazy boy, and she brought me my nice hot tea. It was great. Man, I had a slave. Some of you men want to go back to those days. And so what you're doing is you're fighting with your wife. You know, you need to submit to me. You know, I'm the boss here. I'm the leader here. One of the things I want you to learn about leadership is people that yell about being the boss, people that yell about leading, they're not leading. They're not the leader. The very fact that they're talking like that means that they're not the leader. I want to share with something. Real leaders don't lead by force and by authority and by pushing their titles and by pushing their position. Real leaders let go of all that. They don't need that. You know how they lead? They lead by their love. I want to say that again. Real leaders lead by their love. Husbands, if I were writing this text, when you're writing things, like when I write an article or something, I'm very cognizant of parallelism. And what I mean by that is I'm running, as I start out this passage, be submissive to one another. And I say, wives, your responsibility is to be submissive and respectful to your husbands. The parallel to that would be husbands lead your wives. And that's often the way this text is taught. That would be the parallel. Wives submit, husbands lead. 
But I want you to see, as you look at Ephesians here, it doesn't say husbands lead your wives. It doesn't say husbands make your wives bow to your authority. What did it say? Every man, what did it read? Their husbands, everybody tell me. All the husbands, tell me. Say it again. Husbands, love your wives. Your responsibility today is to love your wife. Now, as men, we read that. It means that I have sex with my wife because that's what our culture tells us. That's what love means. And that's not where she begins at all. And that's not where Paul begins at all, though he does end up there later on in the passage. But Paul begins with the example of our precious Savior. He says, husbands, you're to love your wife. And he tells you how we're supposed to love our wives. Look what he says. He says, husbands, our responsibility is to love our wives just as Christ loved the church. And one of the things I want you to do this coming week, in the coming weeks, I want you to start to ask yourself, as you read the New Testament, what are some of the ways that Christ loves the church? And Paul starts out and says that he gave himself for the church. So what my responsibility is, is I'm supposed to give my life for Mary. In other words, I can't live just for Dave. I can't live just for me. I can't have all of my goals, all of my dreams, all of my objectives, all of my career. I'm supposed to give my life strength for Jesus. So Mary doesn't receive that. She starts growling like Willie growls. And so I act just like my Savior. When I growl at Jesus, he pounds me to the, to the floor. He just kicks me and slaps me and says, you whip in shape. I'm the son of God here. I'm the king of kingdom, Lord of lords. You don't listen to me because I'm the boss. You're out of here. Or I'll be out of here. Now, is that what Jesus says? How many of you have ever had Jesus do that to you? How many of you have ever had Jesus, when you ignored him, when you said a spiteful thing towards him, how many of you have ever cursed Jesus? Everybody, come on. We've all done that at one time or another when we get angry. How many of you have ever come to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want you to forgive me? I blew it again. And Jesus folds his arms symbolically and says, that was one too many. How many of you have ever had Jesus do that? Now, how many of you have ever had other people do that? In fact, almost all of you are conditioned by, by those kind of relationships. You've been rejected. And so it's so hard for you to open up to Jesus. It's so hard for you to rege- receive Jesus. But husbands, I want you to know what, what Paul is saying in this context is my love for Mary needs to be the way Jesus relates to Mary. And when Mary blows it before Jesus, Jesus doesn't leave. I, I've been married to Mary a long time and I've never seen Jesus abandon her. But I abandon her. I've never seen Jesus go tit for tat with her. If she hits me or says something bad about me, then I see something bad about her. A whole lot of your marriages are into this. Your wife does something really bad. You know, your wife you know, says something that cuts you to the, to, the, to the core, attacks your masculinity, makes you feel like you're a little boy. So you get real insecure, so you fight back. And then you get pushing and pulling. And you end up, in some of your relationships, you end up cursing each other. You end up saying this whole relationship is off. What I want to do is I want you to start to think. Your relationship is supposed to picture Christ's relationship in the church. And it begins by you recognizing Christ gives himself for us. One of the things the Lord says to me, has Mary become a Roman soldier to you yet? How much has she torn the flesh off your back? 
Did she ever drive nails into your palm? I said, yeah, sometimes it feels like it. But I'm serious. The Lord says, no, Mary's never done that. The Lord Jesus ever, you know, has Mary ever challenged you? He said, you're, if, you're, if you're such a powerful man, why don't you do so and so and so and so? Mary's never been like the Roman centurion. She's never been like the pre- high priests that were yelling and challenging Jesus. You know what Jesus is telling me, man? There's the ultimate extreme. You want to know what love is? Love is to love your enemies. I want, you to th- I want to say something really important. The evangelical church can't even love their wives. How are we supposed to love our enemies? How are we supposed to stay connected with our enemies? How are we supposed to give blessing instead of cursing, which is what our Savior is calling us to do, if we can't even have a long-term relationship with a woman that at least once in our life we cherished and treasured? And so what I want us as a church family, I want us to get really serious. I want us to band together as a group of men. I want the older men to teach the younger men. We need to become like Jesus. We need to learn that real men give their life. Real men sacrifice themselves. Real men don't get in competition with a woman that they love. Instead, real men allow the Savior to work within him so that they don't return evil for evil, but they give blessing. Your fights will stop. In your marriages, if, if the husband will bless his wife and if he'll forgive his wife, just the way Jesus does. And you see Jesus doing that again and again and again. So the Apostle Paul says that we need to be willing to give our lives for her. I also want you to see that he goes on here and says that Jesus gave himself for her, but Jesus had a purpose. His purpose was to make her holy, cleansing her by, wa- by the washing of water through the word, so that he might present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless in this way. I want to, to leave you with this picture. Right now, I'm getting ready for three weddings. It's really the coolest thing. You know, they meet and everything. And one of the things I get to do is the bride is getting, you know, she's, I ask her about, you know, has she got her dress yet? And the woman will just radiate, yeah, yeah, I got my dress. And, and you ladies get all involved in it. You see, when we have a wedding, when we have a wedding, you don't have the bride come in. You know, she has her hair up in curlers. You know, she didn't put any makeup on. I mean, she's got blotches all over her skin. You know, she's covered with some rash or something. And she comes in with her dirty jeans on and says, here I am. It's time to get married. That's not what you do when you get married. As men, we say, oh, that would be fine. That's like, but, not, but women aren't like that. And I want you to realize that in our culture, even as far away as we are from Jesus, we're still enacting. We're still enacting some of the great dramas that are deep spiritual dramas. You see, what a bride does is she takes baths, like in Queen Esther, in the book of, of Esther. Queen Esther takes Chanel number 26 baths over and over again. And the women work on her because they're getting her ready for the king. That's very, we still do that in our marriages because the idea is that when the woman walks the aisle, she's in radiant white. She doesn't have any spots or wrinkles. She's radiant. And, and we look at this beautiful woman and we say, wow, she's a glorious queen for that day. And her husband looks at her in all of her radiance and his love just pours out upon her. And then later on in that time together, they culminate their relationship in the beauty and the holiness of uniting together. That's why we have these ceremonies. That's the point of it. But I want you to know that there's a bigger picture that you need to see there. You see, Mary right now, 
My wife, Mary, we didn't just have a ceremony in the past where Mary, you know, got all decked out and she wore this beautiful dress and she was, you know, she was, she was, had other women help her and she looked so radiant as she walked down that aisle in Broken Bow, Nebraska. You see, a lot of you as ladies, you feel that the, it's all in the past. It's not all in the past. A lot of our culture lives everything in the past. It was all back there when you didn't have any blemishes, you didn't have any wrinkles. Our culture is telling you, ladies, that you need to be sure to get, you know, have a massive, miraculous makeover so that when you're 80 years old, you can still look like you were 20. And what I want to share with you is that's, that's just not going to fly. It's not going to work. What I want you to do is I want you to capture a bigger vision. You see, the Lord Jesus has given Mary to me, and Jesus, every single day, this week, Jesus is removing the blemishes. He's removing the stains. He's removing the wrinkles. Like Mary will tell you, like, you know, you know, Mary has wrinkles, and I won't tell you what they are this morning. You'll have to ask her. But you know the question that the Lord Jesus asked me? He says, Dave, because Mary lives with you, how does your role as the husband help her to become more like Jesus? How does the fact that she's your husband Help me through the power of my spirit to remove the character flaws and to remove the blemishes and to shape and mold her into the beautiful woman. And do you cooperate with me as I bless? You see, if I reject Mary because of blemishes that I see, because of stains that I see, which is what all of us tend to do in our marriages. You got married... And then suddenly after a year of marriage, you found out that there were stains, that there were things in your partner that you didn't like. And instead of realizing that it's about grace and my ultimate savior knows that my wife has those stains, knows that she has those blemishes, knows that she has those areas where she isn't just like Jesus. And my responsibility is God has given me this woman who's ultimately his bride. Mary doesn't ultimately belong to me. Husbands, your wife doesn't ultimately belong to you. Your wife belongs to the Savior. And your role as a husband, one day I will stand before Jesus and Jesus will say, Dave, this was your responsibility and I'll have to give an account for how I cooperated with Jesus in this process. Now, husbands, as I close, it doesn't mean that you become Christ for your wife, that you lord it over her. Some of the husbands that are the, the most destructive husbands that I know are those that try to force their wife in their relationship with Jesus and they try to structure everything out. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have structure, but some husbands try to become Christ for their wife. That's not what the text is saying. Mary always has her relationship. Because every one of you ladies, Jesus loves you. And he has a relationship with you. And you have a direct obligation in your walk with him. So I'm not Jesus to Mary. There's times when Jesus might say, Mary, David is wrong. He's contrary to the word of God. And you need to obey me rather than man. Now that doesn't happen very much, but it does happen. And that's where we have to obey God rather than men. And as, as husbands, we need to respect 
our wife's individual relationship with Jesus. But one of my primary responsibilities is to be sure today that I'm submitting to Jesus, that I'm allowing Jesus to, to help me and to work with me. This morning as a husband, I ask myself, what's the role of the husband? Jesus says, David, your role is for me to be the number one man in your life. No other man. Jesus. And, I'm, and I, David, I want you to get really serious about becoming like Jesus. And so as I, as I read the Gospels, as I read a book like Ephesians, I'm asking myself, Savior, teach me what you're like. Teach me how you react. Teach me how you feel. Teach me how you relate to women. Teach me how you relate to a wife. Teach me how you relate to others. And then by the power of your spirit, pour that in to me. Father, I just ask you, Lord Jesus, as we've been able to remember you as the precious son of God. As we talk about Paul's beautiful imagery of the marriage, I want to pray, Lord, that as husbands today, that we as a church family of of men will get really serious about what it means to be like Christ. Help us not to talk ethereally about what it means to be like Christ. Christ as the ultimate man. I want to pray, Lord, in the coming weeks that we will look at what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Help us to take what we learned this Sunday. I pray that men in small groups and at breakfast tables and talking together with their wives will ask some of those questions. Honey, what are some ways that you see Jesus in my life? What are some ways that I encourage you in your own walk with the Lord? What are some ways that I discourage you? What are some things that you see where I act just the opposite from the Savior? And then for husbands and wives to pray together about those things, to have that submitting to one another, that honesty, that authenticity. And Lord Jesus, I want to pray that you would break the back of the hostility. I started out today talking about burkas and feminists. Our culture has men and women fighting each other, competing with each other, angry with one another, drawing into feminine worlds, into male worlds. And I just want to pray, Lord Jesus, that you would totally destroy that competition, that you would totally destroy that living for ourselves and drawing into our corners and then coming out when the bell rings to box and to fight. Oh, Lord Jesus, I would pray that we would be able to see that the Apostle Paul takes us to a whole heavenly level. And I want to ask you, Lord, that there would be many men today that would read this passage all through this week and they would get really serious about living their role, acting like the Savior, getting to know the Savior. And then I'd ask you, Lord, that as we love our wives like Christ loves the church, that our marriages would stay united, that they would stay strong, that they would be places of togetherness and security and healing for the little ones that you give to live underneath our roofs. Lord, I know that what I shared today from a human standpoint is very counter the present culture. I know, Lord, that it's really easy for both men and women to misunderstand what the Apostle Paul has taught us. But, Lord, I do want to serve this family, and from the bottom of my soul, I'm trying to teach them what I believe your Spirit really is saying in this passage. And I want us now to take what we've learned about Ephesians, about submitting to one another, submitting to your Spirit, to one another, about getting serious about this symbolism of Christ in the church, husbands loving their wives, and about really following the example of Christ. Help us to do that. 
In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.